Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I'm telling you, this has been... uh, The Lord has fought me all week on this message. I'm sorry, not the Lord. What it comes from? The devil has fought me all week. Maybe it is the Lord. Maybe I've been wrestling with the Lord too. Amen. We're going to be in this next little bit at least two and maybe three or four Sundays. Matthew chapter 5. We've been through now the, the Beatitudes. We've been through salt and light. We've been through... Uh, the initial portion of verse 17 through 20. Now, I'm going to tell you that this whole chapter is one cohesive thing, okay? Especially verses 17 through 47. 17 to 47 are one cohesive package, and uh, Jesus does preach several mini-messages, which we will cover some of those things, and it's not going to be fun, I'll just tell you, because, uh, well... It's not going to be in some places, but I'm going to read verses 17 through 20 now, but then I'll probably go ahead after, you, after you're seated and I'll read the rest of it. Uh, and then we will preach the overview of this, kind of a quick overview, and then over the next few weeks we'll maybe dig into a little bit more of what Jesus is saying. But there's one message, there's one message. We, we like to pick out pieces of this and argue and fuss at each other about the rest of this passage. But there's one message in this passage, and we're going we're gonna to look at it here in a little bit. So verse 17, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Remember we looked at last week, we talked about being under the sword of the law. Once we get saved, we're no longer under that sword. But that doesn't mean that the law is now just evil and wicked. The law extends from God himself, and it's not like God says, ha, ha, finally get rid of that. No. No, the, the law still very much is extends from God himself. Now, in the New Testament, we're given some things that God did get rid of very clearly. In the New Testament, we, a few things he got rid of. In this passage, he reinforces a bunch and makes it even, what seemingly, worse. Okay? But we're going we're gonna to get into it. So verse 18 For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. It's not all fulfilled yet, so we still have some, still got some work to do. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, or teach men to do that, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about believers. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness, here it is, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Father, we ask that you would, Lord, that you would override and oversee the message this morning, that you would be honored. And Lord, that when we leave, our hearts would not be turned to arguments, but would be turned to the Lord God Almighty and toward our Savior on the cross and resurrected. And Lord, we ask that you would, Lord, cover us today with your blood and help us to be attentive, help us to be ready and willing 
not just to hear, but to do what you would put on our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to have a continuation now, but he's going to pick out some specific things. And some of you might recognize these are directly connected to commandments. Uh, And we'll talk about that further. The sixth commandment, the ninth commandment, the third commandment, the fourth commandment, the fifth commandment. They're all tied in here, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But every one of these things that he's now going to cover, so I need you to to hear this part, okay, is things that the Pharisees have taken, and they have twisted, if you will, to their own vision, okay? Uh, Because they're only dealing with, that was the job of the Pharisees, was to see the letter of the law, and then tell tell all the Israelites, this is how that letter comes out in practicality. And we all know... I mean, if, if rules aren't killing sports right now, I don't know what is. Now, seriously. I, I, you know, the, my, I think was somebody, I was just, maybe my son was just asking, when are we going to have, when are we gonna have uh, uh, robot umpires in baseball? And I said, I hope never. <laughs> you lose baseball. If it's all about the letter of the law in baseball, man, you just lose a lot of stuff. Baseball has a lot of fun stuff. Is everybody in here? Are you all here? Are you all scared to death because you know what we're about to read? This is Bible, folks. Don't be scared. Okay? And there's a message in here. And guess what? Uh, It covers pretty much everybody. Nobody's left out. So if you feel singled out, that's on your own head. Okay? Because it's it's everybody. All right. Let's keep reading now. Verse 21. Jesus says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill, and we're talking about murder, okay, and we're talking about murder of a human, okay, whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which essentially is an extension, you get more angry and more angry, then you start verbalizing it and being angry about it, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, thou fool, so you understand their, their point, it went from, you're just an empty-headed guy, to, you're a fool! Okay, you get the picture? That's how they would have done it, we might say a little different, but they shall be in danger, thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Now, we have the pattern established in this little bit of what he's going to use for everyone after. He uses the Old Testament law that was given, the, how the Pharisees were twisting it or how they were seeing it, and then he responds to that with this extremity, okay? This absolute, like, like worst possible case scenario, and then he closes with kind of a practical application conclusion. Okay? Is everybody here? And and it's the same pattern in every one of these things. Okay? So, uh, where are we at? Okay, verse 25. We're still in the same, it's still the same little tidbit, he's adding to it now. Agree with thine adversary quickly, we're still in this extremity, another application of the same one, extremity, Agree with thine adversary quickly whilst thou art in the way with him, uh, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. And it's referencing 
civil court cases essentially. You're being sued. Uh, you might as well just agree with them and pay up. That's what he's saying. What? <laughs> Verse 26. Verily I say unto you, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Verse 27. Thou, thou have, ye have heard that it was said of by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now let's be clear. The deed and the desire are not the same thing, but spiritually they have the same result. Okay? So the deed, the deed obviously is wicked, and that's, I mean, that's, and even the New Testament separates the deed and the desire, but it's spiritually, if there's a longing look, that's adultery. That's, that's what Jesus is saying, okay? So, now rec- recognition of beauty is not adultery. Oh, that's a good-looking woman. But, whoa. You hear? Okay. Okay. I think everybody's got that, so I've got to find my place again. <clears throat> Verse 29, and if thy right eye offend thee, here's the extremity, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now he's going to address another section of this. It hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Now let's put this in perspective. Okay, the Jews and the Pharisees and this whole crew at this time were basically, divorce was rampant, okay, rampant, kind of like today, in our day and age, but they should have known better, okay, in other words, they like, I don't like this girl, I want to give her writing a divorcement, oh, she didn't cook my bacon right, writing a divorcement, okay, you hear what I'm saying, it was a non-stop, I mean, just an endless flow of, and we were up to the point now where the women were not, didn't have the rights that they should have, okay? Even the, they should have, even under biblical culture. So they were just like property almost at this point. It was kind of a bad thing. That's not the way the Bible teaches, but it's the way that they brought it out. And he says in verse 32, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Now I'm going to say this until we get to the message. Everybody wants to stop and start arguing and fussing about except for fornication. But let's not forget Malachi 2.16. What does God think about putting away? He hates it. We all want to say, yeah, but there's a reason. There's a cause. No, God hates it. We need to start with that aspect. God hates it. We always want to say, yeah, but I have an out. No, God hates it. Everybody here? So, and we'll talk, about, we'll talk about this except for fornication when we preach that down the road, okay? But we all, we all want to, because we're human, we all want an out. We all want an excuse. We all want a, some, some finger we can point. But we need to start with what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That's the override, but anyways, that's not the message of the day. But we'll get, and we'll get to that. So before everybody starts fussing about divorce and except for fornication, we probably ought to see that first. Okay. Verse 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. That's a, it's a uh, perjury. 
or swear is perjury, was what we'd call it. But shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all. He said, you shouldn't even swear anybody. Forswear is perjury. And he said, swear now. So what is this talking about? So here's the deal. Here, again, Pharisees had taken this thing, and they, you weren't allowed to swear by God. You could not swear by the name of Jehovah, which means swear doesn't mean like swearing. It means a vow, committing a vow. But what they did have was the whole series of other things that you could swear on all day long and not keep it. I'm going to swear by the temple that I'm going to do this. I'm going to swear by my head that I'm going to do this. I'm going to swear, by, I'm going to swear on my mother's grave that I'm going to do this. And what the Pharisees literally had written down as law was that if you swear by the Lord, by the name of the Lord, buddy, then you are in trouble. If you don't do that, God's going to kill you. But if you swear by any of this other stuff, you don't have to do it. You can swear by that all day long and you don't have to keep that responsibility. Hello? That's called perjury. I'm going to do it, but you don't do it. Isn't that perjury? That's called a lie. Okay, and we're dealing with, again, one of the commandments, essentially. So, now you'll see what I'm talking about. So get to verse 34. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. In other words, just say yes or no. Stop fussing around with, I'm the vow upon my mother's grave. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In other words, keep your word. Keep your word. Verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now that is in scripture, isn't it? That's in the law. Everybody go like this. It is in the law. But it was in the law for lawyers and judges. Well, for judges. The judge had the right to say, you lost a cow, you're going to lose a cow. You lost an eye, you're going to lose an eye. But what had happened was, by the Pharisees allowing and teaching, the Israelites had now taken that personally. You take my eye, I'm taking yours. You take my cow, I'm taking yours. Oh, go ahead and try it. See what you get. I don't get mad, I just get even. Moving right along, they'd made it personal. Instead of legal. Verse 39. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Oh, you won ten grand? Here, let me give you twenty. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I think many of you know that was a Roman right to ask uh, any Jew to carry his stuff for a mile. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, or mature, complete, mature, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." 
Father, Lord, I'd ask that you would please oversee this message this morning. And you'd help us to see what it is that you'd want us to see. And we'll thank you for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know if you're getting this or not. But this is all connected to accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You get that? Now, can man attain that righteousness? No, that's impossible. Y'all, come on, you all respond a little bit here, okay? Man cannot attain unto that righteousness. That was one of the purposes of the law, was to bring us, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to help us understand. We can't do it, we need Christ. Is everybody here? So, we have, we have two men here, if you will. We've got, we've got the law represented by the Pharisee, and he, he tries and tries, and he does all these things. He tries to fulfill the law, and he tries to obtain, because to enter heaven, you have to have the righteousness of God. Perfection. Otherwise, there's no entrance to heaven. And so, you seek, so the Pharisee sought, literally, by, by his works, to obey every, every detail. His whole life was given to Okay, here's another one i got to keep because I want to get to heaven. I wonder how that works out in practical life. You know, remember we talked about, well, you, 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 can't, you can't do more than a day's journey. So then it was the Pharisee's job to say, well, how long is a day's journey on a Sabbath day? Well, if you have to, you know, do this or do that or, you know, if there's a rope at the end of the street, on this end of the street or that end of the street, then you can walk all over with no limits. You know, I mean, just weird things. They had to make it practical. So the other thing was, this is all the letters the details. We've got to get all into the details and figure out exactly how to do all this stuff, okay? And so they try and try and try to attain God's righteousness, hoping for a home in heaven, okay? But we know that the only way to heaven is your righteousness? No! How do we get righteousness? He imputes it to us. He has to add it to our account, and we have none. So over here, we've got, we've got Jesus. And in Jesus is the righteousness required to access the throne of God and to access a home in heaven. This one over here will never get there because it's righteousness that is obtained by trying to obey the law. Now here's the problem. The law, because it extended from God, had to be fulfilled. It had to be. Someone had to keep it. But we ain't doing it. It's impossible, for heaven's sakes. And Jesus just basically put a a big old honking rubber stamp on the word impossible. But I'm serious. Don't commit adultery. No problem. I, I have never committed adultery. Have you ever looked at another woman? Boy, how are the Broncos doing? Everybody here? He, he is clearly, he's clearly pointing us right at Christ. This, you ain't getting any hope of this without Christ. Because in Christ we know that we have no access to righteousness, but Romans teaches us that when we, we become a believer and we admit we're a sinner and that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross to pay for our sins, that Jesus in his whole life fulfilled the law. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, plus he fulfilled the prophecy of the law, and he presents to Christ his payment. So when he's on the cross, on the cross he pays for whose sin? All men's sin. All. A-L-L. No exception. All men's sins paid for. So now, 
in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ, there is an opportunity now for all men to have the righteousness of God that can only be given them by Christ that's not theirs, nothing they can do, but now they have to accept it. They have to acknowledge, amen, that when Christ died on the cross, he was paying for their sin. And they put all of their hope completely now in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and not upon anything that they can do because everything they do is worthless. There's a big old wall here that says, never going to do it. Inaccessible, not going to happen. It only happens by Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ and his, his God imputes his righteousness to us because of the death of Jesus Christ, our acceptance of of his payment for our sins and our total belief in him, and God allows us entry to heaven. Amen. That's an amazing, wonderful thing, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable to think that, that it's, not, it's not how good we are. It never has been. Now, but here's the deal. Romans, several passages, I'm going to read several passages for you, because when we hear the term, and this is kind of the idea of this, of the spirit and not of the letter, which I've already mentioned, but we tend, to look at, we tend to look at that as a kind of a good-bad thing. Like the letter, yeah, the law, bad, evil. No, pause. The law is an extension of God himself. It is who God is. Perfect justice. And Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law. In other words, it still stands except for some that he's removed, and now you're going, oh great, you're one of those New Testament people who believe now we've got to still keep the law. No, that's the letter. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who believe in the grace of God, who are against the letter of the law, who spend an awful lot of time in the Bible searching around for what they can do by the letter of the law. There's a lot of people who search around through Scripture to find out what they can't do. Come on. They're looking for a list of do's and don'ts. And there's one group over there going, well, we need to do this and this and this. I mean, this is what a believer should look like. No, we have grace. It says right there. It says there and there and there. I've got freedom. You can't tell me what to do. I don't have to obey the law. Whoa. You you hear what I'm saying? Both sides are wrong. Somehow we think there's a right and wrong side on this. But both sides come from the avenue of selfishness. One saying, I am going to do what I can. I'm going to be the perfect Christian. Well, okay, as best I can. And the other one's over here saying, I don't have to do all that stuff. You don't have to make me do all that stuff. And if you try to tell me, the Bible says right there, I don't have to. That's the letter. That's an appeal to the letter of the law. So you're placing yourself back under, guess what? The sword of the law. Amen. That we need to be careful about this. Listen to these verses, Romans 2.29. Romans, that passage right in there, 2.28, 29. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly. He's not a Jew which is one outwardly. He said, but he which is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter, whose spirit is not of men, but of God. You know, you know what the I can crowd, you know what they're worried about? Somebody else, another man, telling them what they can and can't do. Yes, just nod your head right here, because that's exact. because I've been there. You know what the crowd over here is saying? Well, that's not right. You know what they're doing? They're looking at other men saying, you, you can't do that. Again, letter of the law. Now, now, let me just pause and say, as believers, there are times when we are to rebuke each other and encourage each other. That's clear, okay? Now, usually that's involved directly with sin. So, we got the spirit and letter. Romans chapter 7, verse 6 says, But now are we delivered from the law. Remember what that means is we're delivered from what? 
the sword of the law. It can no, because of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he took the sword. He took our sword. It fulfilled the law, okay? Because we are delivered from the sword of the law, because he took it, that being dead wherein we were held, we died in Christ, okay? We should serve, wait, what? Serve what? Who are we serving? We're serving God. What extends from God? The law. Well, you're telling me we have to serve the law? No, but keep following me through. Follow me all the way through here, okay? But now we're delivered from the law. You got that part, okay? The letter, again. That being dead wherein we're held, that we should serve a newness of spirit and not an oldness of letter. Again, so we don't have to worry about this, trying to maintain every detail because we're under the sword of the law, because we already know we can't. But we're still supposed to serve. Now, a person who's serving, what do we call that? They are a servant. Has anybody ever noticed the rights that servants have? So I'm just, that's not really applicable to the whole argument, but I just want to throw that out there. We're called to serve. Serve, what are we serving? We're serving in the newness of the Spirit. Well, what is that? Well, we'll get there. Let's talk about it. Not in the oldest letter. In other words, every detail. No, now we're going to serve in the Spirit. What does that mean? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Talking about Christ, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter. Right. We're not teaching the law anymore. But of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Trying to and trying not to. Is there, is it, does anybody understand what it's like to be at the altar or be on your knees for like the hundred thousandth time over something? And do you feel alive at that moment or just dead? You know what I'm talking about? Because you know I've, I've done it again, I've done it again, I've done it again. And everybody knows the whole deal about, I mean, they're killing baseball right now with rules upon rules upon rules and football. And then, you know, they add all these rules in football and then they tweak the rules, and then all of a sudden they decide to throw in a spirit law where, you know, don't touch the quarterback, and everything is ruled on the spirit, you know, and I'm, anyways, sorry. All this letter of the law, letter, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this, we got to, you got to know all this stuff, and here's Jesus saying, no, I fulfilled that, I fulfilled that in Christ, now I just want you to serve. Well, how are we serving? What are we serving? What are we serving according to? You know, Jesus here still puts kind of an interesting thing, twist on things. He said, because the the Pharisees, in all of their letter of the law stuff, it was all about my actions, my actions, my actions. It was never about my heart and my mind. It don't matter what my mind and my heart are doing as long as my actions are okay. And here's Jesus saying, no, the heart is a big part of this. And you Pharisees, you missed the whole heart of the law. What's the heart of the law? God himself. God himself. It's not like when Jesus died on the cross that suddenly adultery was, okay, everybody just go out there and, you know, free sex for everybody. Right? That's not what happened. There's still some, there's still, there are still the thought and the heart of God that is behind that law. And so now, what's this over here? i got to search the law and find out? No. Now we search not for the law, but we search for the heart of the lawgiver. You know, there's always that middle kid. The middle child, you know. 
The old kid, the first kid can't get away with hardly anything. <coughs> I mean, unless they're like super sneaky. First kid, you know, like they're, they're, they always get caught. And then there's, then there's the, the middle kid who can, you know, give the cute little smile and mom's heart melts because she re- he reached past the law and got the heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's my nephew, John. John, I hope you're listening. He'd, he'd do the awfulest thing and then look at you with just the cutest, innocent smile. And you just didn't want to do anything, little nasty little booger. Does everybody here know what I'm talking about? Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What did Jesus answer? Matthew 22, you can turn there if you'd like. Matthew 22. Amen. Matthew 22. Go to verse 36. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And we could go to a couple other passages where it says, with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen to what he says. On these two commandments hang all, all the law and prophets. Jesus says, I did not come to destroy the law and prophets, but to fulfill. Listen, and this is absolutely true. You take the Ten Commandments, you can divide them four and six. Love the Lord thy God, love thy brother, love thy neighbor as thyself. It's plain as day. Four and six. I'm pretty sure it's four and six. I think you got that. Plain as day. You can take every other commandment. You know what it has to do with? Well, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, or I'm not going to be able to please God, or I'm not going to be able to, you know, I'm going to be out of sorts with God. What, what's a lot in there? Me, me, I, 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 me, 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 I. Well, you can't tell me what to do because I have liberty, and I can do this, and you can't tell me, and I get to do this because I want to do that. If I want to do it, I can. What's a lot in there? I, I, me, 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 I, I, I. Do, do you know what you do if you love the Lord your God and you love the neighbor as yourself? You use very little I. You use very little me. Because instead of worrying about the specific laws of God, you begin to worry about the heart of God himself. And in the understanding of the heart of God himself, you can't, you can't but see Jesus Christ. And when you see Jesus Christ and you understand that Jesus Christ paid not just for your sin, but for the sins of the whole world, everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. Wow, you don't understand what they did to me. They're lost and dying and going to hell and Jesus died to pay their sin. And wants them, loves them, wants them to be saved. Okay, so you're going to stick with the letter of the law? That killeth. You'll spend your life, listen, you're going to spend the rest of your life in bitterness. Wondering why, I just don't know why all these people, these Christians are like so happy and I'm not. Because you haven't forgiven. Because you have to understand, through Christ, the whole world... Why, that person, they're wicked as, they're, they're, they're a 
It's possessed. They're a demon from hell. I just can't. Well, you know what? They're not a demon from hell. They're a soul for who Christ died. Yeah, but they're evil. Yeah, I think that's kind of why Christ died on the cross, isn't it? He died to save sinners. Amen. And you know what happens when you begin to look at what Jesus is saying here? What Jesus is saying is, so you guys have been so caught up with I can and I can't and you have to do this and you don't have to do this that you have completely missed the real picture here. You have completely missed the real heart of even what the law extended from. When you, 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 know, you know what the law, of, the, law of, the law of God becomes to a believer? Not, a, not an irrelevant thing, but it becomes, you begin to look for what is the heart of God? Do you realize that in every one of these things that Jesus starts explaining out, he is explaining the heart of God behind the letter of the law. Do you see it? It's there. Why? Because he knows humans, we get all caught up and I can and I can't and you can't make me and I'm going to do it or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. There are people that like to come into a service like this. Oh, they're going to love the Lord because they're, you know, they feel something while they're singing or maybe while somebody said something. And then they walk out the door and act like the devil all week. What is biblical love again? What have I told you over and over and over? Biblical love is acts of Somebody say it. Service. Self-sacrifice. Jesus, for God so in this way loved the world that he gave. That's what love is. Love is giving. Love is giving. Well, what are you going to give God? Well, what does he want? Well, I can't give that to him perfectly. Oh, you don't have to. Jesus did that. But you can try. Does the Holy Spirit help you? Absolutely. But I'm going to blow it. Yeah, that's why he provided the cross. You're a human. You're going to blow it. I can't, I'm just telling you, I can't wait for heaven. The thought that one day I could have a whole day and not have something wicked and evil go through my head, that's, a, that's, that's, that's beyond miraculous. Like, God, would you just come now? And then God says, I want to, but there's other folks out there who still haven't heard. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I can't wait for heaven. They need to hear of heaven. Do you hear me? You know what Jesus is trying to point us to? He's trying to point us past the letter of the law. And he's trying to get us to place our heart and our mind and our attention on the heart of God himself. The heart of the lawgiver. Well, you're just trying to please God. Absolutely I am. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you, if I spend my whole life and that's the worst accusation against me, I want it on my tombstone. He tried to please God. Why? Because, you know, it's kind of hard not to love the Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. One of the other songs we sang, this cracks me up. I still don't tell Dana what we're going to... Dana's picking out the songs now. She's, the, she's Brother Nathan. <clears throat> so, 
and it still astounds me. All I say, my only request is, when you're picking out songs, you, you always pray. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to pick. I give a general theme, you know, that each service kind of looked like this, but you pick out whatever songs you want, just pray about it. And so I hear the last song right before I, my message is, I love you, Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord that God of all that. And then I'm looking at the, the words we sing here and see if I can remember. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Listen to the last verse. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Do you hear what Jesus is calling for? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm just telling you, there's no access to heaven without him. Not happening. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is only because Jesus, as God himself, came to earth, fulfilled the law in his life, fulfilled the law by prophecy also, and on the cross, while he was on the cross, God placed the sin of all mankind of all time upon him, and he bore as if he was the sinner. The Bible says he became sin for us. All the sins that I've ever committed, all that I will commit today, all that I'll commit tomorrow till the end of my life, he took those on himself, and you too. All the say, well, I've been pretty bad. I'm, I'm, not worth, I'm not worth church. Church is for bad people. Church is for sinners. The cross was for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. And Jesus, bearing the weight of your wickedness and your evil, and even down to the very thoughts of your heart, before God, paid our debt. And he died. And he was buried. And the Bible says he rose again. And he presented like the high priest of old, he presented his offering to God himself in heaven, and God said, I accept. It's not in those exact words, I'm giving you the short version. But God accepted the offering of Christ for our sin. And now here's... Now here's the Christ through the Holy Spirit and through this church and through members of this church, the Spirit and the Bride, Revelation say, come. Bride is the church. Extend out to you an invitation saying, won't you come? Won't you come with us, the rest of us who found out that the letter of the law, it just killed us. But we found Christ who loved us when we were unlovable and paid for our sin. Won't you quit trying to do that and whatever else it is you're trying to do and realize that the only access to God and peace from God and a home with God is right here. Stop believing everything else. This is the most precious symbol in the world. There's nothing greater. Now maybe an empty tomb. How are you living your Christian life? 
In the spirit or in the letter? Father, Lord, you're a good and gracious